This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Today's scripture reading will be taken from Romans chapter 3, verses 22 to 26, Galatians chapter 4, verses 3 to 7, and Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 21. So you may follow on the screen above, or there are also hard copy Bibles on the chairs, so please feel free to take one. Okay, reading from Romans 3, 23 to 26. 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness, because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Galatians 4, verse 3 to 7. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spirit drove forces of this world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 to 21. Verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of God. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. Can you hear me? Great to see all of you here, especially those of you who are also at the camp with me. It's really great that uh, you all have come here today because it's a really important passage. Okay, for those of you who may be visiting us for the first time today, we are going to ask God to help us to understand his word. So let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we pray that you may give us your Holy Spirit to really help us to remember and to feel the impact of the significance of Jesus coming into this world, and so that we may truly be excited about our faith in him. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So what? So what? 
I was reading somewhere that we live in the age of so what? But what does this mean, so what? I think one way to understand it is when I became a Christian in 1989, uh, one of the reasons why I became a Christian is because someone gave me this book, More Than a Carpenter, which kind of explained to me how Jesus was a real person. He really was born, he really died on the cross, and he really rose again, and how I could trust the Bible that was reliable and trustworthy. And so I became a Christian. What I found is this book doesn't really seem to be as effective anymore today. So I've been giving people books like this, and they say things to me is, uh, even if the Bible is true, so what? Because I don't agree with it. If you think about that, that's a bit weird, right? The Bible is true, but so what? Because I don't agree with it. Even if Jesus is God, then so what? Because I want to choose the gods I want to believe in. Even if Jesus came and died for me, so what? Don't bother me about it because I've got other important things to do. Now this also is a refrain that sometimes I hear from Christians. So I was in a gathering recently of some returnees from Australia who are Christians and someone said to me how they feel that being a Christian is quite boring. They feel jaded and indifferent and bo up about being a Christian today. Now, I wonder whether we may feel that way, that being a Christian is boring, indifferent, or bo up. I want to say that actually that response is actually a terrible response, right? It's a wicked response, and it's morally perverse, and I'm going to show you why today. Now, we're going to be looking at today's passage. We're going to begin with Romans chapter 3. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Isn't that really interesting? Because if we kind of read it, if I was to write it, I would write all of, all, all of sin and fall short of the law, right? But then she says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now what is sin? I think sin can be defined as head, heart, and hands, right? In our head, it is the inability to acknowledge God and all that we do in which we rebel against God. In our hearts, we don't have the motives of God. In our hands, we don't do the things that God wants us to do. What the Bible is saying here is in our head, in our heart, in our hands, we do not do the things that God wants us to do, and we are unable to keep His law, His rule, His standard. And part of the reason why that is, is because we're not trying to fulfill human standards, but God's glorious standard, right? And because we have fallen in our head, in our hearts, in our hands, we can never ever reach God's glorious standard. It's a bit like all of us here, we're trying to jump up and touch the roof, right? Okay, so impossible for us, right? It's like we'll never be able to jump up and touch the roof. It's just impossible. And as we sin, it's almost like every time we sin, we are adding a burden on ourselves, where we know that on the very last day where we have to front up before God for judgment, we will be condemned because of this burden of sin that we have committed in our lives. Because of our inability in our head, in our hearts, in our hands to do what God wants us to do. The Bible actually sees this burden as slavery. And that's why the language that is used here is all are justified freely by His grace 
through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Redemption in the ancient world was associated with slavery. It is the price that is paid to redeem a slave out of slavery into freedom. Now today, the only time we actually use the word redemption is when you go to the pawn shop. So you go to the pawn shop and you give your valuable, right? So I can't give my wedding ring because my wife will be very angry. So let's say I bring my golf clubs to the pawn shop and I leave my golf clubs there and they give me some money. For six months, they will keep my golf clubs and I can go back to the pawn shop to get back my golf clubs. But that means for six months, in a sense, my golf clubs are under bondage, right? in a sense, under slavery to the pawn dealer until I pay the price to redeem it out of its bondage. Now what Jesus is really saying here is that we all have fallen short of the glory of God and all of us are not just under bondage to sin for six months, but we're under bondage to sin for the whole of our lives into eternity until Jesus comes. And Jesus' coming is not an accident of history because it says God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. So the intentionality of Jesus' coming was actually formed by God in presenting him so that he would die on the cross for us. Now, I remember this year I went to visit a friend of Cheryl, my wife, and she's a Malaysian who works in New York. And she was, uh, you know, telling us a story about how uh, in the past, from what I know, she used to work in an office in New York. And one of her colleagues was fired. And uh, as these things happen in uh, America, uh, he went home and decided to grab his gun and go back to the office and take all of them hostage. And they were held hostage by this gunman who was their ex-colleague for like 24 hours until the police came to rescue them. Now, imagine how my wife's friend would have felt when the police came to rescue her, right? Because she was under bondage, right? From this ransom, uh, this uh, hostage taker. She would have felt great relief. She would have been so happy to be able to go back home to her husband and her family. But imagine what God has done for us. Because we are, in a sense, in a lifetime eternal bondage to sin and judgment. We are facing eternal hell but God presents Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement to give us redemption from our slavery so that we may be free eternally from the bondage to sin and judgment. So just as my wife's friend must have felt such great relief from the 24 hours of being a hostage, so we cannot, we cannot ever take Jesus' death for us and his coming to us for granted, right? We can never be indifferent and bow up to it. We cannot be so what to the coming of Jesus. Now, I want now to turn to Galatians chapter 4, which has similar ideas. And so also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. Notice here, the same link, 
to the book of Romans. So the book of Romans talks about how we were redeemed. And here it says we were enslaved under the elemental spiritual forces of this world. And that shows us the struggle that we have in order to break free from the bondage of sin, right? It's not only our own earthly, personal nature that is struggling in our heads and our hearts and our minds to reach God's glorious standard, but the world itself is pressing in on us and pressing us down so that we can never reach God's glorious standard. But in verse 4, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Same idea as what Romans says, right? Where in Romans it says God presented Jesus as a redemption for us. In the book of Galatians it says God sent his son to redeem us from under the law. Now in verse 4 it says when the set time had fully come. That means that time is under God's control and God says that this is like the pinnacle, the mountaintop, the high point of time because at this fulfilling, at the fulfillment of time, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son Jesus to be born of a woman, born under the law. I want us to reflect on that for a moment. Someone was telling me uh, a few weeks ago how they feel like time is meaningless, right? Time is just running down. It's like an hourglass where the sand is just running out. Where every holiday you have with your family is one less holiday you will have in your life, right? It's like this last church camp is one last church camp, one less church camp that you will experience in your life. But notice what it says here. It says that God actually is in control of time and the high point of time is the sending of Jesus to redeem us from slavery to the law and the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But notice what it says in this passage, which is different from Romans. It says that God sent his son to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. You notice in Romans, the book of Romans, we were redeemed for what? From slavery to freedom. But here it says we are redeemed from slavery to sonship. Now what's the opposite of slavery? What do you think? What is the opposite of slavery? We think the opposite of slavery is freedom, right? But actually what it's saying here is the opposite of freedom is sonship. If you think of the ancient household, if you're a slave, what's the opposite of a slave in the household? To be the son, to be the child. Right? Because the slave has no rights. The slave has no position. The slave has no uh, rights in that place. But the opposite is to be the child, to be the son, to be the daughter. Now I want us to consider how great that reversal really is. Because what God is saying is that before God presented Jesus and sent Jesus, we were like slaves. But after Jesus comes, we have freedom, and we are now sons, and we are now children of God. I remember seeing this in a museum 
in America. So it was kind of like in this small room. And there were these like, kind of like small, very unimpressive pictures that someone had drawn. Right? Like in the midst of all these marvelous Renaissance pictures, like they're, this, they're these almost like, like, like very simple drawings right, in this museum that I saw. And I found out that actually these drawings were drawn by a, a black slave woman. And what she was depicting was something called the Underground Railroad. The Underground Railroad. Where apparently, during the times where there was black slavery in America, the black slaves, with the aid of sympathetic white households, would be smuggled from the south all the way up to the north, like places like Boston and New York, where they would be free. But what I read was that actually, even though they were smuggled out of slavery into freedom, they actually didn't find what they were looking for, even when they got to New York and they went to Boston. Right? Because even in the north, they could not vote. They had trouble owning property and they didn't have the full rights that the white people had. And so freedom in itself is not the end point. From slavery must come the full rights of sonship, the full rights of being a child of God. And for those of us who went to the church camp, it was wonderful to hear how actually the intention of God in sending Jesus is for us to have full rest in joyful relationship and fruitful relationship in the Father for eternity. And that's what the coming of Jesus does for us. You know, if you think about it, if you were to live for eternity, you need to live in eternity in deep relationship, right? I've been watching uh, this uh, documentary series on Netflix. Only older people watch these things, right? Okay. Live to 100. Okay, so apparently there are these places in the world called the blue zones where people live a really long time and they live really healthy lives. Places like Okinawa and Greece and all these places. And I noticed that one of the commonalities between all these different places where all these people live up into their hundreds, living really healthy lives, is deep relationships. These are places where people and community have strong relationships. Now, imagine if you were to live in eternity, in loneliness. How sad that would be. Imagine that. So I've been reading this science fiction book about how in the future people live for a long time, right? But there's this guy, and he's kind of been in this war, and then he's uh, marooned on the ship, and, and he lives like forever, floating in space by himself. I mean, that, that's terrible, right? Can you imagine living forever, floating in space all by yourself? But God in sending Jesus and presenting Jesus to us does not leave us with eternity in that way. He saved us out of slavery into freedom. But not just into freedom so that we will live our isolated lives by ourselves, our lonely lives by ourselves, but he brings us into full relationship with him as his children. Now, the passage then goes on and talks about this great reversal in several other ways. 
Then Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Notice the same word. It's the same word that we read in Galatians. God's time is now here, where Jesus is sent, Jesus is presented to bring redemption to people who are slaves in sin. And we see that because of all the imagery that's given here, the first one is Jesus comes to set the oppressed free, to set the slaves free. But he also gives three other images, right? He comes to proclaim good news to the poor. Now you may say to me, how am I poor? How are we poor? I mean, we've all here got our mobile phones and we've got our houses to live in. We do not lack for any food and we go to good schools. So how are we poor? The definition of being poor is to be needy, to be needy. We don't have to be needy just in a material sense, but we are needy in a spiritual sense. Because we are all in our sins, because we all face judgment, we are poor. We need help. And that's why we're poor. We need, we need God to help us. We're needy. And so Jesus' coming is the good news to the poor because he is the one who helps us in our time of need where we are unable to reach the glory of God's laws. It goes on to say that he is sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. That is a very powerful image, right? Because we are under the elemental forces of this world, because we personally are sinful and fallen. It's almost as if we are trapped, right, in the bars of our own prison where we cannot escape our sin and the judgment that lies before us. I think the most powerful image then comes last, right? The recovery of sight for the blind. Now, we're not blind. You can see me, I can see you. But we are blind in the sense of salvation. We cannot see salvation. We cannot see and know God the way that we are supposed to. And so when the baby Jesus was first presented in the temple, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. So the blind person can actually see. You see, you notice all the imagery there. My eyes have seen your salvation. Jesus has been prepared in the sight of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory for your people Israel. We began in Romans by saying that we fall short of the glory of God. But in Jesus, we are given eyes to see the glory of God. 
If you think of all the things that the coming of Jesus has done, right? Enslavement, poverty, blindness, imprisonment. The coming of Jesus actually reverses all that. So it cannot be so what for us. To be so what for all the great things that Jesus has done for us is morally perverse and twisted. It is wicked and wrong. There was this guy. His name is Christopher Ward Jr. You can see him up here. He's actually born blind. Right? That means he's never seen anything in his whole life. Right? What we take for granted, he has never experienced. Apparently, uh, there's some wonderful technology which has been developed where it's like these VR glasses, I suppose, and, and you know, it allows him to actually see. And there's a video of, uh, of him where he is able to see, and for the very first time, he can see his mother. And his mother reacts with tears, right? You know, in the interview, she says this is like the whole world to her that her son can see. Now, for her, this moment is not a so what moment, right? It's like, ah, yeah, my son can see, Christopher can see. Oh, that's great, right? No big deal. This is a really big deal for her. Imagine what the coming of Jesus has done for us. It is so much more than what Christopher has experienced or his mother has experienced. We are truly able to see salvation, to see God, to be freed from our slavery to sin. The bars have been broken open. Our poverty will now become rich. We cannot, we cannot be indifferent to Jesus. We cannot just say to Jesus, well, it's no big deal the coming of Jesus and my faith in Jesus. We must truly, in a real way, remember the significance and the momentous gift of God in the coming of Jesus and truly in our hearts respond with joy and thanksgiving to what Jesus has done for us in freeing us from our sin, all of us, and our need and our poverty and our blindness. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we know that it is easy in this world to be jaded, to be indifferent, to feel like the coming of Jesus is just one more thing in our busy calendar, to feel like it is just a big so what. We pray that we come back to your word to understand what exactly has been given to us. That we do not take for granted this great gift that we have, but rather to see the great reversal that has happened. That we have moved from slavery to sin, a deep need, imprisonment, of blindness and we have now been given freedom and even beyond freedom we have been given a place in your family sonship to be called God's child dear father we can look forward to eternity and joyful fruitful and intimate relationship with you 
Yeah, Father, help us to see the depths of our sin, the depths of our future in hell, compared to where we now stand before you and the future in which we are so assured of. And truly rejoice, give thanks, and be heartfelt in our faith towards you. We pray for all these things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hi everyone, we will now have a short time for discussion. So you can discuss with your neighbours what you took away from the sermon. Or you can also refer to these reflection questions here above. So the first question is, do I find myself jaded and bored with the good news of Jesus and why? And the second question is, what have I learned today that shows that I can never tire of hearing about Jesus and what he has done for us? So it will take about five minutes to just discuss with your neighbours. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.